Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. They said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Beloved, that really is the big question. That's the question not only for the women there at the tomb on that early Sunday morning, but that's the question for you and I. That is the question for all of humanity. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Can you agree with me that that the world has a great way of continually duping us, of, of deceiving us, of tricking us, of pulling us into things that are not true? The world claims to offer happiness through riches and material possessions or through fame and the approval of men. These things certainly feel good for a period of time, but ask the richest men or women in the world if they're happy. And in most cases, the answer is no. Every other headline addresses some new crisis or scandal amongst our most esteemed celebrities. As Pastor David explains in today's message, there is only one true source of lasting joy, and that is found in Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Hope in the Midst of Despair. For three days they were filled with sadness and despair and yet there should have been hope of resurrection in the air. Oh, no doubt the Savior had suffered greatly and died that day on that cruel Roman cross. He had given his mortal life away. But you see, the cross in all its gross human cruelty clearly demonstrated the truth of our Savior's full divinity. For mankind was desperately lost, determined to kill the only hope they had. But through the resurrection, God the Father brought about good from their bad. The Father could have rightly judged, yes, rightly and easily condemned. Yet through the work of grace, we can now become the redeemed. That's the hope and the truth of the resurrection. It's the resurrection that we celebrate today. It's the resurrected Savior that we worship today. And beloved, I'm glad that we're here together in this place to be able to do it. In the final run of things, it is truly through the resurrection that mankind finds hope. Hope in the midst of their despair. Here in Luke 24, which is where we're at this morning... We're going to read, uh, we can read about three different events where groups of individuals had fully and completely lost hope in the midst of their personal despair. Now, we're only going to have time this morning to look at one of those three events, but I invite you, if you would, to take your Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 24. That's what we do here. We study the Word of God in order that we might become the children of God, grow in our knowledge of the heart of God, become mature and obedient people of God to declare the message of God to a lost and dying world that is without God 
And that's why we work and move and teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Word of God in order that we might learn, that we might grow, that we might proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 24, as a church, we've been going through Luke now for way too long, and we're, we're coming to the end. We're to the resurrection, so you know we're close to the end. We're in chapter 24, and I'm going to begin this morning in verse 1. Luke 24, beginning in verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Let me stop right there. The first day of the week, that's the easy one. That was, that was Sunday. They, they came on that, that first day of the week. It's the same today, the first day of the week being Sunday. The women had rested on the Sabbath. That was observing the Jewish law of the Sabbath there. Now they were free to come and finish the job of completely preparing Jesus' body for the burial. We read earlier as we were studying in Luke 24 how Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus Nicodemus had removed the body from the cross on the day of his crucifixion. But because that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near, they had to hurry up in their preparation of the body for the burial. And so out of love and out of respect for the Savior, these women who had, again, followers of Christ, had been with him through much of his ministry, were there in Jerusalem, were there at the cross as he was crucified. These women then gathered together. They wanted to come and do a more complete job, a more thorough job than the men did. Guys, you understand how that is. You decide you're going to clean the house for your wife, and then she comes home and starts cleaning the house. Amen? So again, uh, the, the women came to do a more complete, more thorough job. They came to the tomb literally as early as they could. In fact, John tells us in his gospel account that they came while it was still dark. And they came expecting. They came expecting death. They came filled with sadness and despair. Mark tells us that the biggest concern that they had in their lives at that point in time is who's going to roll the stone away? That's all they knew. That's all they understood at that point. But as they arrived at the side of the tomb, they realized that something had happened. Here in Luke, we continue reading. Look there, still in verse 2. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the Lord Jesus or the body of the Lord Jesus. What had happened? What had, what had taken place? They were clueless at this point. Who had rolled the stone away? Uh, where's the body of their Lord, their Savior, their Master, the one that they had committed and submitted their lives to? Life had now dealt them a, a double blow. First, their Master had been crucified, and now someone has come in and, and stolen his body. But Matthew gives us the answer. Matthew pretty clearly tells us and explains to us that sometime well before dawn, well before the women got there, Matthew tells us that there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards, those Roman guards that were standing watch over the tomb, those guards shook with fear and became like dead men. In other words, they saw the angel and they fell out flat. They just fainted out of the greatness of fear. 
You've got to see the humor. You've got to see the irony in, in all of this. Jesus had told the disciples, look, we don't need to fight. If we were going to fight, I could call down a legion of angels and come and take care of this crowd that's come out to arrest me. And now here we have just one angel coming down. Other uh, gospel accounts say that there were two angels, but one or two. These Roman guards were literally frightened to death. They collapsed. They fainted. They fell on the ground. Can you imagine if it had been a whole legion or a thousand angels that had come down? I'm sure that there was a lot of angels up in heaven that said, let me go, Father. Let me go. Let me go down there. Let me go down there. But he only sent two. So let's go back to the women. They came with great expectation. They expected the Lord Jesus to be dead, to still be in the tomb. They came with their hearts filled, but it was filled with sadness and filled with despair. They, they had lost all hope. You've got to understand this. You've got to put yourself pre-resurrection. They came troubled and they came with doubt. Who's going to roll the stone away? But God met them on every level and then he blows the doors off or he actually rolled the stone away. As they came to the area, the guards, they were, they were already gone. We, we don't read that when the women got there that any of the guards still remained there. After, I believe that after waking up from their fainting spell, they, they certainly looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, they saw that somebody had come in and they, the, the dead body of that Jewish rabbi from Nazareth was no longer there. Perhaps the angel was still there. What could they do now? What was the reason even to hang out and to stay at this point in time? And again, we look back at Matthew, and in Matthew 28, he shares with us that some of the guards came into the city and they reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. And the elders consulted together. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and they told them, tell everybody that his disciples came in the middle of the night and stole his body while you Roman soldiers were sleeping. Now, if you know anything about Roman soldiers, you know if they are on duty, that is their life. And if they fell asleep on duty, oh no, you don't get KP for a month. It's probably your very life execution. Why? Because that's your responsibility as a Roman soldier. They, they, the, the elders told them, if this comes to the governor's ear, oh, we'll appease him. We'll, we'll make you secure. I don't know if I would have trusted those guys at that point in time. Well, they did take the money. I wonder how much money that was. They took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews even until this day. But let's stop and think about this. How, how ridiculous that was. Trained Roman soldiers either tricked while they were asleep or attacked and defeated by a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and zealots. In reality, it would have been absolute bloodshed, but it would have been the disciples who would have been shedding the blood. They would have been the ones on the losing side. But that was the story that the soldiers had. That's their story. They were sticking to it for their own life. They did not change their story. So let's go back again to Luke and to the women. Now here they are, the, the empty tomb with the stone rolled away. Luke tells us that they were greatly perplexed. And, and it's going to get stranger before it gets any clearer. Because very soon, two angels are going to explain everything to them. Look at verse 4. 
In verse 4 it says, And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Beloved, that really is the big question. That's the question not only for the women there at the tomb on that early Sunday morning, but that's the question for you and I. That is the question for all of humanity. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Can you agree with me that that the world has a great way of continually duping us, of, of deceiving us, of tricking us, of pulling us into things that are not true? Why, I found out just this week that if I bought that one car that cost about $70,000 from what I understand, I'm going to be like the coolest guy in the universe. And I can even drive on water. Okay? So, I mean, you know, so I, I, I mean, that's what they say. If I had whiter and brighter teeth, I'd have a lot more friends. Definitely, if I had better breath, I'd have more friends. The world has all of these things that get you looking for the bigger, the better, the better in order that you might be pleased, in order that you might find happiness, that you might find completeness. But the problem is, folks, you're looking for the living among the things that are really dead. Things that do not bring life, do not bring completeness. The world continually calls for us to look for life, to look for joy, to look for peace, to look for contentment from the things of this world. But beloved, aren't we really just looking for the living among the dead? The things of this world bring temporary pleasure at best and at worst, and in the end, it brings death. That's all that it can bring. Do you realize that God has designed you, yes, you, each and every one of us, God has designed us in such a way that we will never find full and lasting completeness in the things of this world. We can have all the money of this world, all the fame of this world has to offer. We can have all the power that we can grab in this world. And we will still end up absolutely empty. Absolutely empty. With no true fullness, no true completeness, and no true peace. You may try to fill the void of your life with the things that this world has to offer, but your satisfaction is only going to last for a moment at best. Security and peace may seem to be within your reach, but you'll soon find out that in this world there is nothing secure and true peace only comes from the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. We look at the world scene today and we realize that we are just a button touch away from absolute world war that's going on right now. Things, the, 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 the political temperature within our world is, is, is sweltering. It's ready to explode at any moment. We've got crazies on every part of the world ready to push a lot of different buttons. And I believe that that could happen at any moment, at any time. This world is insecure. 
Some of you know because you've gotten over this last year, perhaps over this last month, or this last week a doctor's report, and there's nothing that they can give you that's going to be real secure for you. Nothing that really helps, nothing that really encourages. Some of you have gone through such turmoil this last year, perhaps even within your relationships, that you know that you're not going to find peace. You're not going to find completeness in a human relationship. Oh, they're good. They're, they're positive things. But our completeness, our wholeness does not come about even through human relationships. All too often, happiness becomes the goal of man. But joy is the true need that's within our lives. Beloved, happiness can be obtained in a lot of ways. Happiness comes from getting a new puppy. Amen? For those of you that love dogs. Some of you might like, what's that other thing? Oh, cats, yes. Some of you like cats, okay? You might be saved. I'm not sure. Happiness comes through a lot of ways. A beautiful sunset. Happiness can come through good food. And believe me, I'm happy a lot of times. (laughs) Happiness can come through the closeness of of long-time friends. And none of these things are bad. Except maybe the cats. But (laughs) none of these things truly are bad. I've just offended half the congregation. I understand that. I'm glad we took the offering first. None of these things are bad, but beloved, you've got to realize that happiness is only for a season. Happiness only lasts for, for a, a short period of time until that sunset actually ushers in darkness. Until that food goes sour within your stomach. Until those friends forsake us. Until that puppy makes a mess we don't even want to talk about. Happiness is only for a short season. Some try religion, and I I don't know if you know or not, but religion is very popular in our world. The, The vast, vast majority of people within our world fall into one of several religious groups. Roman Catholic, Protestant, Islamic, Jewish, Hindu, Eastern Orthodox, Buddhist, Taoist, Shinto. All of those. Then there's a host of other Native American, Eastern and Asian religion. People can be so involved in religion because it seems the very thing to do. It seems to be the need within our lives to get involved with religion. But by and large, the vast number of religions are simply man's feeble efforts to fill his life with meaning and purpose, and they are missing out on the one and the true God because the vast majority of them are about man's efforts and man's work. They're missing the one who said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. Even so, as they seek for these things, we find out that, yes, even religion can be dead. Are you seeking the living among the dead? 
In the latter years of the fourth century, man who would later become known as Augustine or Augustine, the, the Bishop of Hippo, came to fully understand that the things of this world were so absolutely empty. Throughout his earlier years, he wasted those years in search of every kind of enjoyment that this world and the flesh had to offer. He searched for life among the dead things of this world. He tried to fill his life with every vice and every vile thing he could imagine. He finally recognized the emptiness of it all, and he came to a point in his life of full surrender and full obedience to God. In his autobiography, simply titled Confessions of Augustine, he speaks of his own personal spiritual journey. On the very first page, as a matter of fact, the third sentence in the entire book, he writes this statement. Let this sink in. He writes, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. About 1,300 years later, Blaise Pascal, in speaking of the same emptiness that's offered by the things that the world gives to us. He wrote, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim, but that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and a trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and unchangeable object, in other words, by God himself. The very first point in the Westminster Catechism declares, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You think they just pulled that out of the air? No, they know what is the case and the core of humanity. That we need to make a connection with the one and true and living God because everything else leads to emptiness and everything else leads to death. But only when we find our way in connection and in relationship with the one true living God do we truly find life within ourselves. Do we truly find hope within ourselves. Do we truly find the peace that passes all understanding and the joy that is inexplainable that the world can't give us, but only He can. In our humanity... We're destined to search and to strive, to seek out a completeness for our lives, to find that hope. But most travel this life in despair. This void or hole in our lives was designed by God, purposed by God, and can only be filled with the living God, and only through a surrendered life to the resurrected and the living Christ. This God-shaped void, it can't be filled by any other thing than a spiritual relationship with the one who gave his life in payment for our sin and was raised back to life again. For man to seek life and the things that bring death is foolish at best, and at the end it brings about 
our own condemnation. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.